HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Wides, your faithful host. You know, it's hard to keep doing a show like this week after week, every week, week after week. It's a hard, it's not easy, people. This week's show is episode 139, 139. Even though I've been doing this for like five years, you know, I do take some breaks. And I mean, after all, that's a lot of hours of talking, and that's a lot of foodiness to discuss every week, week after week after week. I mean, except for the odd three to six week break here and there, you know, that we all take because, I mean, a girl's got to support herself, right? Am I right? Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't just like show up here and say hi to Jack and go down into the foodiness fallout shelter and just sit down in front of the mic each week and make this stuff up. I don't. I don't just make it up. I actually sit down early, early every Tuesday morning, and I write this whole thing out. This is a script. I'm reading from it right now. It's a scripted show. I know you couldn't figure that out, but it's a scripted show. I wrote it at 7 o'clock this morning. Well, I started at 7 o'clock this morning. I finished it about quarter to 12. Even though every week for the last five years I have vowed to start writing on Sunday night, it doesn't happen. I just can't begin writing the show until Tuesday morning, mostly because it takes me up until then to actually foment the idea or to come up with like a grain of a concept that I can then spin out for 30 minutes. So then after not writing Sunday night and after not writing Monday night, then I panic 
I get up Tuesday morning. I frantically type until noon. I run to the subway and I get here just in time to go on air, basically, because I work best under a deadline. It's just who I am. And I'm I'm good with that. I'm comfortable with that. Now, are you are you disappointed? Do you find this like a little bit of a letdown? Have I shattered your illusions? Have I burst the bubble? Did you think that this was a totally improv, ad-libbed, like, freeform theater piece that I do in here every week? As we used to say in the restaurant business, did you think I was just pulling it out of my ass? That I would just sit down here in the fallout shelter and I would just start this, like, stream of consciousness verbal riff on a theme? Is that what you thought? Well, I'm sorry, my friends. Um, But no, that's not what I do. It's a script. And coming up with a show theme or a topic every week is really hard. And the ideas come to me in very strange places at very strange times, but usually very specific times. Yeah, it's weird how this happens because most of my ideas for my shows come to me while I'm doing something very physical. Get your mind out of the gutter. Nothing like that. I mean, everything we do is physical, right? Even thinking. I mean, I'm breathing. I'm sitting here. You know, we're not vegetables. We're not rocks. We're not corpses yet. But, you know, keep eating those pink breast cancer donuts we discussed last week and you'll be a corpse sooner than later. But usually the idea comes to me, the the spark for the show comes to me while I'm doing something really active, like swimming or hiking or running. Makes me sound like I'm a triathlete or something. And that makes perfect sense, though, because those are the times when my mind is sort of finally freed up from all the normal noise that fills it daily, like, you know, important things like figuring out what to eat for lunch or if I'm saving enough money for my retirement or wondering if Peggy will try to track down the son that she had with Pete Campbell once he turns 18 in 1978, like things like like that, or if maybe I can get away with not doing laundry for another couple of days, you know, all the blather and sound fuzz of everyday thought. It all slips away while I'm physically focusing on something that's like strenuous or repetitive, like hiking or swimming. And it allows the more interesting thinking to bubble up and ferment. I mean, I, artists say that, you know, that it's called flow. This is what happens when you're sort of focusing but not focusing. Flow. I remember from my art school days when I was trying to work. Flow. You get in the zone. And that is the thinking that usually leads to the show topic. Just some little ping, it comes into my head. And I go, oh, there you go. There's the show topic. And then I panic Tuesday morning and I write it. I procrastinate until then. Not always, but often. Like, for example, all the piles of trash from food wrappers and plastic water bottles that I saw on the hiking trail a few weeks ago. There's a show. See? Or pondering the hydration options other than water while running on a hot summer afternoon. There's a show. Or thinking about how good that cold IPA will taste after a hot summer's water workout. There's a show. Hey, let's call NBC and let's get a meeting. Maybe we, you know, we just may have something there, huh? Now, I'm sorry to my millennial listeners if you don't get that reference. You could just ask your parents, okay, about the NBC and there's a show. Just ask your parents. But lately, as the weather has been chilling down, although it's like 75 degrees here today, which is very strange, but technically we're in autumn. The weather's cooling. The days are getting shorter. And we've had to start cutting back our weekend days up a tiny bungalow because it's getting too cold and too dark. 
we don't really have heat in Tiny Bungalow. We have space heaters, but it gets really cold there at night and in the morning. And, um, like, it's sort of fun the first couple of nights, and then you're like, okay, we have heat at home in Brooklyn. Maybe we should just go home. And the days get shorter and darker, so it makes hiking more difficult because you run out of time. And so we start cutting back, and we spend more time in the city, and I head back to the gym. Now, I, well, I go to the gym all summer, too. I go to the gym all the time. But now I have to go more often because I have to compensate for the loss of the hiking and the outdoor running and the water workouts that I do all summer. I sound like a fanatical athlete, don't I? I'm not. So I take a lot of classes at my gym, especially these days, like boot camp and burn, burn. And total body conditioning. Because I like the combination of the weights and the high-intensity intervals. And it's very effective. And I'm really strong now, which is kind of fun. I feel like I could kick some ass. And also, if I don't sign up for a class, I'm likely to not go. So the class is a great motivator. But here's the problem with the classes. Okay? They're loud. So loud. Not loud from the noise of the weights clanking on the floor or the participants panting or the participants dropping to the floor. No. The music that we work out to is so loud. Loud. Thumping, over-trebled, fuzzy-at-the-top workout mixes of awful dance and R&B hits. Now, some of those are songs that I actually even like when I hear them on the radio, but not when they sound like the top notes are shredding the lining of my ear canal. Not then. Now, I'm no teenager, okay? We know this. I am pushing 50. It's, 50 is very near in sight, just a few years away. And I went to my share of arena shows. Trust me, I used to go to the Nassau Coliseum. You know, I saw Genesis there. I went to some big arena shows, and I saw The Clash and the Ramones and the Dead Kennedys at small, acoustically challenged rock clubs in the city back when you could do that sort of thing. And I listened to a Walkman and then an iPod for years, and I still do when I run. And not to sound like an old geezer, but what the fuck is up with volume these days? Are we collectively as a species losing our hearing so we collectively as a species turn up the volume on everything? So loud. Restaurants? Forget it. I don't go out to eat anymore. I won't go in if it's too loud in there. I have a decibel meter app on my phone, thanks to my 83-year-old father who has the same issue. And it's always in the red zone when I'm in restaurants. And if you're playing Candy Crush on your phone on the subway, do you need to keep the sound effects turned on? You know what it sounds like. Could everybody please just shut up? Now, last night at my burn class, you have to say it like that, burn. I took burn, my burn class. I had to ask Manny, who's the instructor, who's a very nice, very super fit guy, to turn the music down three times. Three times. The first time I asked, he did it. The second time I was sticking my fingers in my ears, he got the message, he did it again. The third time I had to leave the class and do my little exercise we were doing outside of the classroom, and he came out because he thought I was sick, and I said, no, I'm just going deaf. But he was totally obliging, and he understood, and he was very considerate. But I'm always the only one asking. No one else seems bothered by the noise level, and I'm not nearly the oldest person in the class. So what is it? Is everyone else already deaf? Do they just not care? Are they afraid to seem like the cranky old geezer like me? What is it? Why is it me? Occasionally, I'll just wear earplugs instead 
just to deal with it. And I'll just dampen down all the noise, including the instructor's voice, since they are either of the no mic needed, I'll just scream the instructions louder school, or the I'll set my mic volume even louder than the music so you can hear me over it school. Oh, my God. Where is my AARP card when I need it? So how can I use that time productively in those classes, not just to work out, but to think of new show concepts when the noise level is so damagingly high? It's not like I'm hiking in the mountains just listening to the birds and to my own footsteps and to Adam ranting about something. That I can tune out and think of my highly elaborate show concepts. Research shows that high noise levels raise stress levels. I mean, you can see it in New York. Everyone's stressed out, the high noise levels. Kids perform poorly on tests when they're surrounded by noisy conditions. I can totally feel it. If the music in a classroom or anywhere, on the subway, those dancer guys on the subway, anything, the fucking bucket drummers at Union Square, if it's painfully loud, I can actually feel my cortisol levels peak and my stress levels elevate, and I can't perform as well. Imagine what all this noise is doing to kids' ability around us to learn. I can feel the stress-induced emotions in me start to reach the breaking point, and it almost makes me start to cry with frustration. Am I the only one experiencing this? Hello? Can anyone even hear me saying this? How can I continue to think of new and interesting ways to spin the concept of foodiness when all I hear is the techno workout mix of the Whip Nene song? That song alone just makes me want to kill people anyway. So every Tuesday for the past 19 years, I've been woken up by the sound of hundreds of glass bottles screechingly crashing into a gigantic metal container. This happens every Tuesday morning, sometime between 6 and 8 a.m., when the glass recycling truck pulls up to my building. Now, my apartment is right above the trash bay, and the shattering, high-pitched, breaking glass sound has woken me up every Tuesday morning, as I said, for the last 19 years. 19 years! Some of you weren't even born yet when I bought my apartment. 19 years. Every Tuesday. If it's Tuesday, it must be glass recycling day. Good morning. So I get up with the glass and I write the show because I have to be up anyway. So instead of using an alarm, I use the sound of shattering glass in my ear. Good morning. Now, ironically, when we're up at Tiny Bungalow, it's so quiet at night and in the morning that it kind of freaks me out. You can hear all these little creaking and scratching sounds and animals on the roof and weird little rustling. And I can even hear the blood pulsing in the arteries in my head. So up there, I have to turn on a fan so I can sleep because it's too quiet. Now, I live on a really, really busy street. Okay, it's a major traffic thoroughfare through Brooklyn. Major. And had I not paid a laughingly small amount for my loft 19 years ago, I'd have moved out a long time ago. But it was cheap, and now it's worth a lot. So I don't actually have to think about whether I'm saving enough for retirement when I run because I'm living in my retirement account. So I put up with the noise, the traffic, the car stereos, pounding the driving techno mixes we all enjoy so much at the gym, the screeching brakes of the 18-wheelers, the sirens, the recycling truck. It's a wonder I've ever gotten any work done in that place at all, actually. Now we're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, I'll actually get to the point of today's show. 
This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network. That was such nice, soothing, anti-techno, techno music. Thank you so much for that. That actually sounded a lot like um, like when I was in elementary school and they taught us about the first Moog synthesizer and played us like sample music. Sort of what it sounded like. I like that. I feel very soothed now. And Chris Howe's voice could put anybody to sleep in a good way. So anyway, where is the show going this week? I actually visited him at Cane Vineyard and Winery, which was an amazing little visit. It's very quiet up there. Very beautiful. All you can hear is the grapes growing. So where's the show going? You're wondering, right? You're like, oh, Jesus, is she going to just drone on and on, complaining about noise the whole time? Nothing even about food or foodiness or anything even remotely related to the show's concept. Is she ever going to get to her point? Well, no, I'm getting there. Okay. It takes a while. You know that. And this week it's taking me a little bit longer. Okay. I may be going deaf. So have a little compassion for me. All right. I may be joining the ranks of the specially challenged, the differently abled, you know, deafness is no joke. Okay. My mom is deaf in one ear. Okay. And my sister and I, we did use that to our advantage, though, when we were kids, because she couldn't hear what we were saying when we spoke below a certain decibel level or on one side of her head. And so we got away with a lot of crap because of that. Sorry, Mom. But there are places in our lives where food and hearing intersect, where they combine. And not always in a good way. Not always in the way of the crackly sizzle of a fresh egg cooking in butter in a cast iron pan or the crunch of a freshly picked cucumber or the the snap of a green bean right off the vine anything of like that none of the like delicious food sounds no no not those places there's this thing that some people have this condition i suppose called misophonia which actually sounds like you don't like the sound of listening to miso soup, which is funny because miso soup is a very quiet thing. I wonder if you could hear the sound of the koji mold fermenting the miso if you listened really carefully. Japan, for being such a big, amazingly huge, loud, complex country, was actually very quiet in many places. They appreciate quiet in Japan. Anyway, people have misophonia. Now, misophonia is an intolerance or hatred of the sound of food. Not of food itself or food cooking, but more specifically, the sound of people eating food. The like slurpy, licking, crunchy, chewing noises that people make when they eat. Which until I heard about this as a thing, it never really bothered me. But as soon as I knew that it was a thing with a name, I started noticing it and it really bothered me. I mean, there are things about people eating that bother me. Anyway, but like when they, that, I hate that. Now, these sounds only bother me when they occur due to poor table manners, poor training. People must be trained 
in the proper manner when it comes to eating. Yeah, you can train people how to eat. I, I have no problems with the sounds of eating. As I said, we all eat. But it's only when you sound like you're eating like a feral dog after the apocalypse that it bothers me. Tables ma- table manners matter. People, table manners are important. Teach your children to use a knife and fork. Take them away from the iPad. Maybe there's an app even. Knife and fork. No more handheld toaster wafflers and chicken nuggets and French toast sticks, okay? I know it's easier to give a toddler handheld food, but teach them to use a freaking fork. I learned to use a knife and fork. All my friends learned to use knives and fork. Why can't my generation's children do it too? Are we that busy? I think we can take the time. Anyway, misophonia makes people who are afflicted with it go insane when they hear eating noises. Or even just the sound of somebody chewing gum or someone drinking coffee can actually push them over the proverbial edge and they will lose their proverbial shit. I get it. I just don't really let it bother me. Or, I mean, I'm actually just not bothered by it. If you're actually eating food. See, here we go. You knew it was coming. You knew I was getting to the point of the show. It just took me the first 20 minutes of complaining about noise to get there. But I'm here now because here's the big tie up into food and foodiness. Here's where I pull all those disparate threads together into a nice, tight, compact, free form yarn bombing project of radio. Just when you think I won't get to it. I do. Because the sounds made from eating real, actual food, to me, are totally fine. Crunch on that juicy, fresh, ripe apple in season. Scrape your spoon on the bottom of that creamy, real yogurt. Lick that runny, ripe cheese right off the plate with your tongue if you want to. And don't tell me you don't do that because everybody does that just when nobody's really looking. Tear into that crusty loaf of bread. Crunch on that pizza. Slurp that beer. Eat those real pretzels. Do whatever you want to do. Those are all fine. Because that's the sound of you eating food. Real food that makes its own real appropriate noises. It's the sound of foodiness that drives me nuts because those sounds are highly engineered, carefully calibrated sound effects Built into the food to deliver the snappiest snap, the crispiest crunch, the slurpiest slug. And that makes me crazy. That's what pushes me over the proverbial edge and lose my proverbial shit. Because in the same way that all those engineered, manufactured foods are highly calibrated to appeal to our top threshold levels of satiation for salt, fat, and sugar, making us unable to appreciate the complexity and subtlety of real, diverse, actual food... The engineers also calibrate the sounds of foodiness, making the Pringles crunch just so based on hundreds of hours of consumer test panels and market research, making the viscosity of the yogurt in the tube just right so that when Lil Fletcher sucks it down in the minivan while he's glued to his iPad, it won't drip onto the faux leather seats and stink up the place, causing you to spray Febreze all over your car. And it makes him think that he's actually eating something more like pudding than yogurt. So you can trick him. Even though it's so sweet, he wouldn't even know it was yogurt and it's probably dyed blue. The engineered sounds of foodiness are the noise pollution of our food environment. Mm -hmm. 
This is why I get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to write this show. So I can come up with profound statements like that. I'm going to say it again. The engineered sounds of foodiness are the noise pollution of our food environment. They drown out the sounds of our actual food. A droning microwave humming, and then ping, delivering a piping hot but previously frozen burrito cancels out the sizzle of a skirt steak on a grill or the slap, slap, slapping of a hand making a real tortilla. Not that I expect you to make your own tortillas, but you could roll your own freaking burrito. The breaking airlock seal on a can of soup opening, opening with a pull top these days because a can opener is too much technology for the Wally crowd, is a steamroller of sound compared to the slow, simmering, dreamlike bubbling of a day-long braise or broth. That's some good writing there, right? It's good poetry. Day-long braise or broth, dreamlike bubbling. I should be a writer. How can we learn to appreciate and embrace the real when the cacophony of the foodiness is all around us drowning it out? Cacophony. Maybe we need anti-foodiness sound retraining seminars. Yeah. Down here in the shelter. That's a good way to make a little extra money. Hmm. We could all sit in silence and we could eat the quietest foods we can find. Bananas, mushrooms, rice pudding. Shh. We're eating. Foodiness is like the techno-enhanced workout mix of a classic song. Pumped up, altered, engineered, sped up, and too loud. It ruins food the way remixes ruin music. Not all music. I like some remixes, just not the ones I hear at my gym. Now, no kid, no modern American kid. Well, some of the kids I know, but I think in general. I don't know that many kids, really. But no kid, let's just make mass generalizations here, would choose a crispy-skinned, herb-flecked, juicy, roasted chicken thigh on the bone if they could instead paw a dinosaur-shaped boneless nugget flavorized to appeal to their intensified kid senses for sugar and salt. They just wouldn't. No kid would choose the thick, tart, luscious, whole milk, Greek yogurt, and dark honey that I eat if they could have the neon green Trix-flavored gogurt in the tube. No kid I know. And that is because of the noise. Not just the advertising noise, although that's the gateway. But the noise all around us. The thumping, the pounding, the over-trebled message over and over and over again. Hitting us with a techno beat. Mm, mm, mm. Foodiness, foodiness, foodiness. It's enough to make me want to just come down here into the shelter, close the door, lock the place up, and hide in silence. I think I may have to do that. And FYI, in a pinch, the little marshmallows from inside the Lucky Charms cereal actually make excellent earplugs. We're just about out of time for this week. I just wanted to leave you with that final thought about foodiness. Thanks for listening to the show this week. As always, thanks to Kane Vineyard and Winery for their continued support. Thanks to Liz in the control room today. Jack is somewhere in Wisconsin talking to the dairy board. I wanted to go. Nobody lets me go on those trips. I think that would have been really fun. Anyway, remember to follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show to check out the website, letsgetrealshow.com. Check out the new heritageradionetwork.org website, brand new, all new, revised, beautiful, much more interactive. There are chat rooms. You can chat with people. There's also a little button on there that says something like become a member. You should hit that button. 
and become a member. We need you. You're one of us now. There's no way out. All right, that's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.